Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You had better. Let's get them up. Get them going. It is Tuesday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Our five-hour morning sports conversation begins right now. And a heck of a lot to talk about on this, the 7th of November. Appreciate you being there. we got a lot to get to. Longhorns uh, will sit back and watch the latest college football playoff rankings released tonight. See where they go. Probably not a lot of movement. We'll talk about it. Longhorns uh, feeling good, though. Set at 8-1, 5-1 in the Big 12, 3 to go. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian with a pretty positive injury report yesterday as he recapped the K-State win. Uh, we'll dive into that, of course, behind the burnt orange curtain and uh, all the conversations surrounding the Longhorns and the Big 12 and college football. NFL wrapped up last night, Week 9, with uh, a one-sided affair in, in L.A. We'll talk about that, but obviously the National Football League bigger picture. Cowboys coming off that tough loss Sunday night in Philadelphia. Uh, now looking forward to uh, a stretch of probably easy games for the Cowboys, which is a good thing ahead of a brutal stretch into the month of December. So it's going to be a busy morning there. we got baseball news, basketball news, college basketball is underway. Longhorns are 1-0 for Rodney Terry to start the season. Some transfers aiding their way. We'll certainly talk about that as well. So five hours will be necessary to get us where we need to get, and we hope you can lock it in and be with us uh, for as much of it as you can consume. We appreciate you finding us on 1019, maybe AM 1260, could be on our Horn app, which is fun to do. You just uh, download that to your smartphone. you got to share with the touch of a button also watch the shows on twitter or twitch on our website at hornfm.com you just listen at hornfm.com if you want or watch on twitch you can watch on youtube as we are live from the uh, south austin studios once again but up and running on the cameras and ready to roll for five hours beginning right now and look who it is across the desk our man our shutdown corner out of the uh, 713 uh, db high down there in houston texas also the 512 here in the atx was a, a part of dbu and uh, four stops in the National Football League. Now 16 years doing great radio on the ATX. And um, now with you, five hours a day. He is the football theorist. He is the he is Blackstradamus. He is our man and proud papa, Rod Babers. What's up, Rod? I'm doing good, brother. I appreciate the How's that traffic this time of morning coming over here? I, I just uh, get up great. and squat. I yeah. get up and turn on the lights and oh, that's fantastic. turn the coffee pot on, and that's what I do. Yeah, no, no. I got the route uh, all down now, so it's it's easy. I got it down to the exact minute now pretty much there's, pretty much where you hit lights right yeah well every now and then there's a there's a random train uh, oh yeah in manchak yeah but it's never like a long train if i hit the train it takes like maybe 90 seconds or something like that so if i'm late that may get me but other than that the route boom yeah always copacetic copacetic easy, man easy peasy you gotta see that train track that cuts through manchak and then down south into buta yeah that thing, will, one, that thing will shut down traffic that's I mean, the one, like like five one or six morning yeah one morning kind of freaked me out i was like hold up hold, hold up man. If, they, if this goes another two minutes i'm gonna be late i have to hit up e but uh it fortunately enough i caught it at the right time so that's the only thing that concerns me is that little train so but i haven't i've only you know gotten stopped by it one time so hopefully if i'm late that's the reason i'm late just so you know well, you folks who uh, <laughs> live in and around buta or, or west of buta you understand when that thing rolls through during rush hour it is a mess it shuts Ooh. everything down oh, there's one of those long slow moving trains it can uh, shut it hold it shut it all down it's one of the beautiful things about this job that i've worked now for like you said 16 years i've i've been able to avoid rush hour yeah, for the most Pretty part. And then once you're out in it, entire... you, just, you really appreciate these people. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I really, I, I can't, I mean, I understand the road rage and all that. I do, I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? Because uh, I don't have to deal with it. I've never had to deal with it. And even my wife, who used to have to deal with it, now less people deal with it because they work from home, post-COVID, that kind of thing. But, man, I used to have to give her, like, an hour. 
when she got out of traffic just to decompress. It's just so stressful. <laughs> it is. You just, just got to let her. It's just a tense. Yeah. It's a, you're just in a tense mode for like 45 minutes to an hour being in traffic. Yeah. It's got to give you some time to decompress. Hey, I totally get it. Once I'm out there in it, I get it. Because when it takes you an hour to get like 15 miles, <laughs> it's something about the human condition that's just not really meant to have to deal with that. Uh, but something about the human condition that we always like to salute is uh, those who choose to serve. It is an honor, but also a burden. Uh, we appreciate those who choose to serve our society built on the selflessness of service. So each and every morning, we love, we love to give you guys a, uh, a shout-out and a salute, whether it be God, country, or community you serve. We appreciate each and every one of you, teachers, first responders, uh, the soldiers, officers of the law, uh, waste management, all you guys out there, we and gals. Uh, we know uh, who you are, and we appreciate you. We can't name all of you, uh, but we just want to let you know each and every morning that we appreciate you. Shout-out, no doubt about it, Thank and uh, thanks for what you do. All right, let's get you caught up on the news of the morning. It's a very busy news desk. It was a busy night of basketball. There's uh, football. News, of course, the Longhorns. Let's get you caught up with the top stories. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin bring you the top news, and it starts with the Texas football. Longhorns 8 and 1, sitting at number 7 in the college football playoff rankings. New ones will be out tonight. Uh, they sit atop the Big 12 at 5 and 1, with three regular season games remaining. At his weekly Monday news conference yesterday, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian said he was very pleased with his team's physicality and toughness in this past Saturday's win over Kansas State, but also frustrated with the self inflicted wounds that allowed the Wildcats to come back from 20 points down in the third quarter to take the game to overtime. Ten penalties, three turnovers, failed fourth down attempt, and a block punt. Made the game a lot closer than it needed to be. He looked at the stat page, but uh, Coach Sark also urged uh, fans to keep perspective with the latest Longhorn victory, number eight on the year. We just went and beat a top 25 team that's the number one defense in our conference and had almost 500 yards of offense and scored 33 points with our backup quarterback, with our backup right tackle in the game, when our starting left tackle went out and we had to move our starting left guard to left tackle. So just look at that. From, a, from that perspective and think about some of the stuff we've had to go through defensively you know we, we didn't have two safeties last game with Catalan and Crawford out you know Ethan Burke's coming back off an injury you know Jade was down there for a minute Ryan Watts was out for a minute but we're, we have enough depth on our team to put guys in position and they can play you know good football for us to, to overcome all right, yeah, Longhorns, uh, uh, according to Sark, he said he's very encouraged that everybody practiced yesterday. Uh, everybody on their two deep was out there practicing on their Monday workout, including starting safeties Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford, who you just referenced, and Christian Jones. All three were out this past Saturday. Sark had his first time in more than a month that everybody was practicing as they began prep for this week's game with TCU. Quinn Ewers now labeled as day-to-day, not week-to-week. Also color, uh, in college football, trouble brewing in Ann Arbor. Second-ranked Michigan prepping for their showdown game at Penn State this Saturday. Yesterday, the Big Ten Conference formally notified the school that they could face disciplinary action from the league. Conference is required to send a letter in the event that it becomes clear that an institution is likely to face disciplinary action. Letter alludes to evidence of illegal sign stealing, which compromises the principles of the Big Ten's sportsmanship policy. Keep an eye on that story. College Hoops, trio of transfers helped lead the 18th-ranked Texas to an 88-56 season opening win over Incarnate Word last night at Moody Center. The newcomers, Caden Shedrick, Ethel Horton, and Max Aismas led Rodney Terry's Longhorns to the win. That included a 33-5 run in the first half to blow the game open. Horton the UCF transfer, sharpshooter, scored 17 points, three from deep. Shedrick, the 6'11 Virginia transfer, had a big impact. Played just 11 minutes, scored 12 points, grabbed five boards, blocked three shots. While Ace missed the three-time honorable mention All-American for Moral Roberts, scored 12 points on five of ten shooting. Next up for Texas, those Delaware State on Friday night. The Texas women will open their season Wednesday night hosting Southern. 
at Moody Center. A couple of big upsets on the opening night of college basketball. Fourth-ranked Michigan State lost to James Madison. And how about on the women's side, the defending national champions from LSU lost to Colorado in their season opener. NFL Monday Night Football, a route to wrap up Week 9. Former TCU star Darius Davis returned to punt 87 yards for a touchdown. Austin Eckler scored a couple of TDs. And Joey Boza and the LA Chargers defense stifled Zach Wilson in the New York Jets bumbling offense. 27-6 beatdown on Monday Night Football. Not a pretty one. Busy night in the NBA. 12-game card included all three Texas teams. Indiana routed the Spurs. How about this score? 152-111. to Not playing much D for the Spurs last night. Mavericks continued their hot start. They won in Orlando. They won six of their first seven to start the year. Houston, even their market, 3-3. Three three. They beat Sacramento. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Oh, yeah. See, Quinn Ewers apparently, he uh, on social media put out a Merle Haggard uh, lyric. So turn me loose, set me free with a picture of himself. Apparently he's hitting that. Um, he wants to go. He's ready to roll. Well, that'd be good for Texas. And if you're t- Steve Sarkeesian, you don't uh, mm-hmm. tip your hand either way. Yeah. Make TCU prepare for everybody here. But, uh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, listed his day-to-day. Sark, as he, I just mentioned, said everybody practiced yesterday. Everybody was out there at least. And uh, that would be you know optimal for Texas with – you know, through this stretch of you know, games too close and, you know, the Houston game and that K-State to get maybe as healthy as they've been. Uh, and if they get Quinn Ewers back for a night game in Fort Worth, which is going to be a Super Bowl for the Horn Frogs, Rod, in kind of a lost season coming off that magical season a year ago. Trap game. Trap game. Yeah, this it's a is, trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. And uh, Sonny Dykes has never lost to Texas as a head coach. Yep. Um, Pass first team. Uh, Jack U of H was. Pass first team. U of H obviously didn't have the – players they weren't of the uh the talent level that texas was but they ended up being down 21 points actually in that game too um, and made that game a fourth quarter game where texas has to win on a game winning uh goal line stand so i'm not saying it's going to turn out that way but in case people are overlooking tcu that thing could get real interesting and just like u of h you're on the road against a pass first team yes uh and they run the same offense that Oklahoma runs. Yeah. It's severe and shoot. <laughs> and it's Kendall, Kendall Browns, Browns, Jeff Levy. also had some success against Texas, much like uh, Sonny Dykes has had some success against Texas. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, just, I'm not worried about the game, but it, it, there are some things that TCU can present to Texas that, have, that has given them problems so far this season. Do you, do you expect to see Quinn Ewers play in the game? I would expect to have him ready to play. And maybe Malik goes and – you know, if Malik continues to throw interceptions, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, it, you know, I'm not saying the game will be uh, like that tight or anything, but turnovers can be the great equalizer. Yeah. And we, as well, we saw it last week. Last week. <laughs> that game probably should have been a blowout. Turnovers ended up be the great equalizer. And if that's the case, I could see Sark saying, all right, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's put in Quinn or just decide to go with Quinn if he's ready to go. Um, but like I said, he's day to day, so we don't know how ready he is. And also, you got to have Arch at least ready um, in case worst-case scenario happens that Quinn's not ready to go and Malik does have, say, a meltdown or doesn't improve and we don't see the, the baseline of consistency. And I think we will, but it's just it takes quarterbacks a while to get past some of these growing pains 
And I don't know if you could do that in three starts, two starts, whatever. <laughs> so that would be my concern, too. Um, it says TCU doesn't have Dylan Gabriel. That's true. I mean, this is kind of Oklahoma light. They don't, but they have Hoover, who's a, who's a good passing quarterback. He can throw it. I, I mean, I don't know if he can run it like Dylan Gabriel and present both, but he can throw it. Yeah. He can chunk it now. Yeah, and again, they got some good twitchy, the, fast wide receivers on the outside. Texas should dominate the, the lines of scrimmage, and yes. this is the reason it's a double-digit line at 10 points. But it's on the road. It's night game. Wasn't, it, wasn't the U of H game? It was. 20. 20, yeah. <laughs> yes. So my point is like that, you know, let's throw that out right now. We gotta, you almost got a backup quarterback in there, throw that out. Yeah. Just go out there and and as long as your, your, your backup quarterback <laughs> has been mistake-prone, and uh, yeah. like all most young quarterbacks are, and then you yourself uh, have make some mistakes, all the penalties in that game. The, yeah. Uh, Sark knocked Tatum three points, and again, a fourth-down fail. Uh, which is essentially a turnover uh, when you turn the football over, get no block point. punt, turnover, block punt, turnover. You basically had three turnovers in a row in the first. That's how you got back in the game, right? You had the, the interception, then you had with the turnover on downs because it saved you on red, red cat, and then you had the block punt. Yeah, they did the same thing in the uh, third quarter. That's kind of uh, what got them back in the game. Yeah, the start of the fourth <laughs> quarter, you had back-to-back turnovers. So yeah. twice you had three turnover spurts. Yeah, uh, three and then two. That really is the reason that they were in the football game. Exactly. But in the end, you know, you're very fortunate to get out of there with that win. You can't make that many mistakes. And then, look, that's not championship football. It's they're gritty and they're finding a way. But uh, that'll end up getting them beat at some point. And whether it's in the Big Twelve championship game or this week, uh, you know, at Iowa State, you keep making those mistakes. It'll come back and bite you. Uh, they've been fortunate with the Houston game and the B and the, the K State game to be able to make all these mistakes and still find a way to win. Uh, you can also probably think, send a Christmas card to Chris Kleiman for his decision to go, hey. to, to go for it on and fourth and down. Hey, and, and one to the Big 12 rest for that favorable spot in the U.S. game. Yeah. We'll take it. We'll take it, right? <laughs> we'll but that's, it. you know, we, we always – You have to have a little luck on your side. Come on, now. you can go yeah, with good. every great season and it happens. Well, think about TCU last year and their run to the national title <laughs> oh, game. I mean, how, many, how much good fortune did they have? Backup quarterbacks uh, they faced. Yeah. You know, Texas faced three of them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it takes a lot of times. And as I, I – played in the update with Sark. I mean, they've got a lot of depth this year. That's the one thing about this program is yeah, it's baby. building for what could be a, a great final season in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. It's also building for their next stop into the SEC and they're, they're building depth. And, uh, you know, obviously, I do think that was a huge part of the miserable first year that, hey, there weren't some guys that weren't buying in to the new system, but they just, you know, the, the, there'd be starters playing the entire game. And you get to the fourth quarter, and you're worn out. And then, of course, then if you get somebody hurt, the, the guy that comes in behind it. I remember that first year for Sark when Jordan Whittington got hurt in the OU game. Mm-hmm. Their, their wide receiver core fell apart. I mean, yeah. they just really didn't have anybody. Right. Uh, and this year, they can start uh, not have their starting right tackle. Lose Kelvin Banks during the game. Two safeties not playing. And the guys that come in may not be perfect, but they're still quality football players, and that's the sign of a deep program. I'll say this. If they get Jalen Catalan back, and Keaton Crawford, and Christian Jones comes back to play right tackle, and then we'll see about Quinn Ewers. You know, this will be the healthiest they've been. That helps your special teams, Rod. That puts mm-hmm. uh, more starters out, more, more ability to put, put uh, you know, uh, high-level players on your specialty teams, and it would be a good time to, to weather this. And But wouldn't it be something to get, get, get as healthy as you've been for this final three-game stretch, which could be a four-game stretch if you handle your business into the Big 12 title game uh, after the, all the injuries you've dealt with here in the month of October and yeah. November. Now, that's the beauty of, uh, you know, this team. Obviously, we, we, we're we very critical because we um, are thinking about this team as a championship-level team, and right? And um, that, what are the shortcomings? What are the miscues that could keep them from becoming that championship-level team? But the really the optimistic part, the upside is they – probably haven't played no. their best football 
yet. I haven't played a four-quarter elite football game. The Bama game is, is close, but even the Bama game, there was – there were, I don't know, lows, if you will. Drop passes. Yeah, there were, exactly. Yeah, yeah, mental errors, things like that nature. Just lapse in focus. So I still don't know if we've seen this team play their best football. That, to me, is why Longhorn fans should be really excited. Because when they get healthy, as you talked about, but then also when they fix things like the red zone. Maybe they'll never fix it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but there are certain areas where they are deficient and they're still working on them. And you can still have – I mean, we saw it with the Rangers. I mean, we just watched it. right? You can still have that breakthroughs in those areas late in the season because yeah. you've been working on them all season long. You've been, you know, you've been uh, you know, actually you know, doing the work. You've been putting it in. You've been looking for solutions, uh, solution-oriented. Coaches are problem solvers trying to solve the problem. And you never know when you're going to have that breakthrough. And sometimes that breakthrough comes late in the season. And, and oftentimes that's the difference. If Texas ever becomes a good or even an average red zone offense, look out. And gets Archie and gets Quinn back, look having out. to sit and watch for a little bit. Uh, well said. And I, I'd say this. You mean I like the comparison to the Texas Rangers because one thing that has stood out to me, and I'm in, you and I are Astro fans, but you have to appreciate the Rangers. And the one thing, if you go back and watch when they their World Series parade they had on Friday, um, when they won the championship and the trophy presentation, whenever they would talk to a Ranger player, they would always mention the team. It was never about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was never them. It was always, man, this team this is a great bunch of guys. Um, you know, Corey Seager asked about his big heroics. It's like, you know what, though, this lineup is deep. Uh, you know, credit to Chris Young and, and the ownership. I mean, it was, you could tell that was a collective, and that was a group playing for one another. And that's when special things happen. And I do think, despite all the mistakes, this team has that. Uh, if you listen to Texas players in the postgame, uh, they're talking about their teammates. They're talking about, you know, Jalen Ford had a big game, but he was talking about the guys up front, you know, clearing the way for him. Uh, it does feel like, and Sark talks about it all the time. You talk about it, the football culture, the football DNA. They have that. And that's, you know, if you get healthy and continue to clean things up. And as you say, just become an average team in the red zone, and your coach will just take three points when they're there for him. Uh, yeah, this, this still has a chance to be a special season. Now, yep. you know, they don't control their destiny as far as the Final Four. You know, that's going to be a political battle. Who knows? Because if Texas can win four more games and, you know, win a Big 12 championship, they're going to be in that conversation. But, yep. you know, does a one-loss Texas get in over a one-loss Oregon or a one-loss Ohio State or a one-loss Alabama? All these things will come to play. You don't control that, but you control over the next month a chance to put yourself into that conversation, which is a lot of fun. And that's why a lot of these guys that we talk about, these veteran players, came back to be a part of this, right? Yep. Christian Jones and Tavondre Sweat and Jalen Ford, all those guys could have been off playing NFL football they came back specifically for now, and despite all the mistakes and not a perfect run here, they still have a chance to control that with a month to play. That's, that's all you can ask for as an athlete. Yeah, I saw some coverage of the post-game after the Rangers won the World Series, and I believe it was Derek Jeter who said, he was talking to Bruce Bochy, and he says, hey, Boach, I'm having a hard time getting these uh, Rangers players to talk about themselves. They keep talking about each other. They keep talking about the team, and Bochy's like, that's what it takes. He's like, that's 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 a championship mindset. That's it. It's always the the we mindset. It's always the us mindset, never the me mindset. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of what you described it, at the epitome of that. And Texas resembles a lot of that too. These guys, uh, they resemble a lot of that. I remember even hearing Quinn in the preseason at Big Twelve Media Days, and I remember saying, you know, he 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 talks like a quarterback that when they win, he's going to be a we guy, and when they lose, he's going to be a me guy. All right. If you're a leader, you want to be a. If you lose, you want to be a me guy. It's on me. 
I screwed up, even if you didn't. It's on me. I'm a leader. Hey, it's me. I got to be better. I'll make sure that we're better and we're, we're more focused and we're more prepared. I'll, I'll take the responsibility of doing that. And when you win, it's we. No, no, it wasn't me. It was all of us. Uh, yeah. That's the reason we win. But we lose, I'll take it. That's, that's a real leader. And you'll, that's, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, I think Mac Brown actually told me that. You lose, be a me guy. You win, be a we guy. Yeah. Win, we. Lose me. I like that. Well, and, uh, you know, our, we have a, a close friend, Craig Flowers, from the high ground, of course, and uh, he talks about elite teams. And elite teams, there's only 4% of teams in any business, in any industry, and they, they bring him in to help try to teach them to be an elite team. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 4%. That means 96% aren't. They're somewhere below elite. Um, you know, it does feel like Texas has close to elite culture, and the Rangers certainly had it, uh, without a doubt. And that's what it takes. It does. It's, it's not just talent. It's good fortune. It's just some good luck. Some balls bouncing your way. A little bit of that. And then, yeah, you're playing for the guy next to you uh, as much or more than you're playing for yourself, right? It's about uh, I got to do my job uh, because if I don't, I'm letting my team down. And I thought that was an interesting point. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain with Sark talking about Malik Murphy. You know, one of the things he said yesterday, and this is where you like Sark when he's talking about it from a quarterback's perspective, he goes, you know, in practice and you make a mistake and you throw an interception, the penalty's not that bad. It's just a bad way. You'll get yelled at a little bit. When you get on a field like that and you make a mistake like he made or two mistakes like he made – you know, you you see the results of your mistake pretty oh, yeah. quickly to your team. Yep. All of a sudden, you, consequences. Consequences to your actions. Your stadium of a hundred thousand people react to your mistake, and you go, "Oh." On your the teammates, heart, the heartbreak like, is different. <laughs> and you're like, and you know, your teammates are going to say, "Man, shake it off, shake it off." But you're like, "Man, we've been stopping this guy and this team all hour. They got the ball at the eight yard line. Like, it started with me. It yeah. Started, did I start this? That was my mistake. That was my, I started this thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's that was deep, my man. and for and we, you know we some will say excuses for young quarterbacks, but it's the process of becoming oh, yeah. an experienced quarterback. The mindset. Is, in high school, he probably didn't make a lot of mistakes on the way to a state and if championship he did, game. They weren't that devastating. He <laughs> right. come back and throw touchdowns, and it's all good. Yeah. yeah, and this really is his first live game action since he was a high school player. So I think fans have to le- re- realize that that is the case. And but at the same time, it's a learning experience for Malik to say, okay, uh, you know, just throw the ball away. I remember uh, right after he finished at Texas, uh, Major Apple. I did a radio show at the place I was working, and Major was his, his biggest tenant for a quarterback was reserve the right to punt. Yeah, reserve the right as a quarterback, yeah. always reserve the right to punt. Agreed. We're either kicking an extra point or we're punting the ball. Take the take the sack. Take the L. Let's take the temporary L. Yeah. It's okay. Throw it away. Sark talked yesterday about how that's the hardest thing to do as a quarterback because your ego and your yeah. competitiveness is. I can make this throw. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. But you do have <laughs> to learn things, right? The kids, yeah. young young people, got to learn that that stove's hot. Okay, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's hot. No, it's, matter it's how hot. Mommy, no matter how much mom and dad <laughs> You'll tell learn you, you got to learn on your own. Yeah. No, it's a great point about the growing pains. And uh, I agree. I remember I mean, we watched Quinn go through it last year. Oh, well, yeah. really watched Quinn. And now look at Quinn after he's now got the recall. He's got the experience. Uh, now he understands, you know, what his mistakes, the consequences of his mistakes, what they mean to the team. So, yeah, I mean, and he's always actually been someone who's – he's never been careless with the football. He's always taking care of the football. He, he never threw a ton of interceptions. He, he did make some casual plays last year that you're like, come oh, in. He just, he just, deal more car, he just looked. Year. He just looked very lackadaisical when those plays would happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a. I agree. It looked weird. It was like, man, hold up. He didn't like. He have a sense of urgency. But that's kind of. We know now that's his personality. Yeah, it is. He just. He's like that all the time. Whether he makes big well, plays. Well, and big I think. He, I think he's gotten more assertive. Which I'm sure Sark and AJ Milley are 
working with him, man, we, we, you're our leader. We're going to look to you. You probably need a little better body language sometimes. And yeah. You can learn that too. All right, good stuff on Texas. We'll hear more from Sark coming up from his Monday availability, the injuries you know, turning in a good direction. Uh, good news on Quinn Ewers and then the Quinn Ewers post you mentioned on Instagram that maybe yeah. he's ready to be let loose. Mm-hmm. Also get into this Michigan story. It's official now. The Big Ten has sent a letter to Michigan informing them that uh, – be prepared, and this is kind of a formality that's part of the rules. You have to you have to inform an institution that, that discipline could be coming, yeah. and um, that letter has been sent. So what is that discipline? We'll dive in. Of course, Michigan right in the middle of a big game week prep for Penn State, part of a big Saturday of college football coming up. Ooh. We'll start to preview those big games. He's talking, she's already talked some trash about Michigan, too, huh? Oh. Changed Frankie a little bit, threw out some shade. Uh, I haven't so, seen that. I need to, though. I like it. Give well, me some no, no, I'm just talking about when he talked about how oh, he didn't mention names, but he did reference. Oh, how they're always on top of the play. Yes. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, we oh, played yeah. that, Sam. Yeah, you played that audio. Or yeah, that. well, hey, James Franklin, step up and win a big game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We come back. We'll pick that up. Also, the uh, it's a big story in college football. The NFL wraps up week nine. Uh, basketball season is here. I did watch a good amount of that Texas basketball game last night. Very impressive. Yeah. Transfers, man. They got some ballers. They covered that in. number. They covered the number easily. <laughs> was like 30. Was it 31? 31. Like and uh, yeah. they're deep. They're a deep team. And they don't even have Dylan DeSue back yet. So we'll talk about Rodney Terry. And, of course, we're playing Incarnate Word. And T.J. Ford's son. How about T.J. Ford? Uh, T.J. Ford Jr. was a part of that Incarnate Word team. T.J. was sitting courtside with his Incarnate Word. Beautiful. Beautiful. Pullover on. Nice. So they said, I never thought I'd see the day <laughs> or I'll see her not wearing UT gear, but nice. that's cool. Kids over, over program without a doubt. Hey, we'll be back. We're just getting warmed up. It's hook them up on a Wednesday or Tuesday, I should say. Uh, our five hour conversation is off and running. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Appreciate your uh, messages on our message lines, uh, text line, 512-447-3776. says, uh, is Justin Herbert really that much better than Dak Prescott? Uh, he's record-setting as a young player, but um, you know, had one won a big game. You know, one of the things you're playing – Dak's been great lately. Dak has been last, real good. last three games, he's been really good. And uh, yeah. uh, Cowboys had some bad luck on Sunday night. Same time, they still can't run the ball, and I think that's their fatal flaw right now. Especially when you look at their schedule, they've got Cowboys have three winnable games coming. <coughs> Excuse me, through Thanksgiving, they'll play the Giants and they'll play the Washington Commanders. Uh, they should be eight and three. Uh, but then, as we said, they have that really tough stretch coming out of Thanksgiving where they're going to, you know, find out about what that team is about uh, moving forward. And the Eagles have a real tough stretch too. But now they have two games in hand. Uh, on the Cowboys after that huge win. And if you're an Eagle fan, you get out of there going, man, we were lucky to win that football game. Yep. Um, you know, we, we didn't do a lot right. Cowboys really outplayed us, yet we won. And now they're 8-1 and one into their bye week. Cowboys sitting 5-3. But, you know, I mean, whether it's fair or not, Dak's going to get knocked until he wins a big game in January or a couple of big games exactly. in January. That's really what it's about. I mean, Justin Herbert hasn't done it either. Uh, and I think Justin Herbert plays in Los Angeles. He was also a top-five pick. Uh, that comes with, you know – a little more recognition. Dak's a fourth-round pick who's had to work his way to where he is and still takes heat. Uh, but, you know, part of the – when you play the Jets, Rod, like they did last night, I mean, to ask the Eagles and ask the uh, Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, the one thing, you just don't want to beat yourself in that game. 
Uh, if you just play a conservative game, and I think Nick Herbert didn't have to take a lot of chances last night. They let I mean they just let the Jets' offense bumble their way. Yeah, I mean the one thing you can't do is turn the ball over three or four times Josh like the Bills Allen. did. And the Eagles yeah. lost to the Jets. How do you lose to that team? Turn the football because that's Jalen Hurts. He turned the yeah. football over a lot. Yeah, three game. picks in that game. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And so it's almost like if you're you give Brandon Staley some credit, you know, he just they were just very conservative offensively. Defense dominated, reserved the right to punt. Austin Eckler had two touchdowns, and in the end, they win by you know twenty one points. I mean, that's one of the worst defenses though in the league, the Chargers, and that's crazy to say, but it is. And so they held them to six. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's, that defense should be able to hold you to six. Yeah. So the Cowboys yeah. play the Giants, Carolina, then Washington. So Thanksgiving afternoon, they're playing Washington. So that's going to be they'll probably be eight and three. Um, those are three very winnable games. And they've shown the ability to pulverize bad teams, right? That's what the Cowboys do. They still haven't beaten a good team. The one team they didn't pulverize were the Cardinals, who somehow beat them. <laughs> That's their only win. But then, as we said yesterday, Rod, but uh, starting November 30th, last day of the month of November, Seattle, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. Five in a row for the Cowboys. Yeah. I would argue to, to one and you know, have a good stretch there against five likely playoff teams. You're going to have to, to develop a run game. You're going to have to run the football. Yeah. Uh, I, I know they, they don't do it well, but I don't know, I don't know how you, you get into December and January and not be able to run the football. Because um, your running back is not the same explosive talent that he was prior to the most recent injury. He'll get back there, but not as quickly as the Cowboys would have hoped. I mean, the Cowboys have a lot of faith, and they should because they have a good one. They have a lot of faith in their training staff. And right, that's why they they'll draft guys who've had injuries. Yeah, and they like no no our, our doctors get them right, our trainers get it right, and they're right a lot about that a lot of the times. They actually are correct about that, um, but I think they may have some like over confidence, if you will. They might be a little overinflated in their belief that their training staff can get some of their players like Michael Gallup, who had a recent injury. And like a Tony Pollard, who recently had injury, that they can get them back to their elite level of play, uh, to their you know old explosive selves um, quicker. And they they kind of hasten that timeline. And I think that now they should learn the lesson, and they probably should learn it about Trevon Diggs too. I'm not saying Trevon Diggs is not going to come back and be a great player, but you might want to get an insurance policy at corner too. Um, I know they got Stephen Gilmore, but he's one of a stopgap. Get an insurance policy there, too, either in the draft, free agency, or via trade, because he may start slow after well, a big-time injury. At least that's what I, recent history would tell you. I agree with you, but they have had enough sample size to see that Tony Pollard isn't what he was, and they should have yeah. made a trade, um, which, again, it's too well, late now, but they should have. And, and I think it's going to be their fatal flaw when they get to that stretch, and they need to be able to run the ball. The weather turns. They, got a, they have a December 17th game in Buffalo. You're going to have to be able to run the football in that game. But um, we've, been, we've been saying this since the offseason that they needed to draft a running back, go get one in free agency, and even trade for one before the recent trade deadline. And they refused to do it because those four dreaded words, we like our guys. Yeah. You like our guys. Well, these are your guys. Well, every, and, every other NFC playoff team decided we like our guys, but uh, we want to add some more guys. And the Cowboys were the only organization that decided in that group that decided – no, we're, we're, we're perfect. We're good. Just stand pat. Yeah. yeah, and Jerry said we made our trades back in the offseason when we acquired Gilmore okay. and Cooks. But we'll see. Right. Uh, we'll see who ends up right on that. I would also say to your point about the injuries, the one thing for Trayvon Diggs, he got hurt early in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Pollard and Mo- Michael Gallup both got injured in January. Yeah. Right? They got hurt in playoff games or games in the last you – know, so you're talking about it's not even a calendar year that those guys are coming back 
and being asked to, to be bell cows, right? And Michael Callum, you would argue, still hasn't gotten all the way back to what he was before the injury. Tony Pollard hasn't looked like that type of player. All right, so uh, let's, uh, we'll pick up the NFL. Week 9 is in the books. We'll put a bow on that. Uh, also get to this Michigan situation where folks are weighing in on Jim Harbaugh and the Big Ten's letter to the school saying, uh, hey, you can expect some discipline coming down the pike here pretty shortly. We'll try to debate what that's going to be. But right now, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. Longhorns awaiting the college football playoff rankings tonight. Let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question. Question. What is behind that curtain? All right, Sark had his Monday press conference, and he spoke to the media. Uh, actually, spoke about a lot of different things, and actually went on. He was got some very lengthy <laughs> uh, audio clips here uh, from Sark. So Sark actually spoke to the media for quite a while. Um, the number one topic of conversation was obviously the status of Quinn Ewers and the injuries on the team, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But first and foremost, here's Sark talking about their next opponent, the TCU Horned Frogs. Uh, obviously, we've got a we've got a tall task Saturday, uh, going on the road, night game, prime time game uh, against a good football team. That I don't think the record is indicative of of how good they are. They've had a couple tough losses that you know could have gone either way, uh, and then the record looks different. So uh, we got to make sure that we look at the totality of the body of work of, of TCU. Um, they've got really quality players. They've got a veteran defense. Um, they've got athletic quarterbacks. Uh, they got good schemes. They're really good on special teams. And so we know they'll be ready to play. We know we'll get their best shot. Uh, we need to ensure that, that they get our best shot as well. Uh, there you go. Let's start talking about the TC Horn Frogs. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about it. They do present some problems that have you know, given Texas some issues from earlier this season, whether you're talking about the pass first mentality, um, whether you're talking about the fact that Sonny Dykes has had a lot of success versus Texas, um, that veer and shoot offense, which gave Texas some uh, issues versus Oklahoma. That is the same offense that Kendall Browse runs there at TCU. Um, so there are some concepts that Texas will, will see versus TCU that have been problematic. And if they haven't, resolved those issues and they haven't um, found a way to be more effective versus those concepts. They're going to see all of them and they may struggle versus those concepts uh, in, in that TCU game. That would be the concern, but Texas is a better team and lines of scrimmage should be the reason they dominate this matchup lines of scrimmage. Right. I mean, we talked all last week about K-State, and they maybe if the Longhorns can stalemate the physicality, it can be a win for Texas. They dominated uh, with the physicality and the lines of scrimmage, and that's probably the second-best line of scrimmage team in the, in the conference. TCU struggles on their lines of scrimmage up front on offense and defense, uh, running the football and stopping the run. Uh, this, this should be, you know, it should be a big should, Rod. Uh, a vanilla game plan here, and whether it's Quinn Ewers or Malik Murphy, run the football. Run yeah. the football with your stable of backs. It's on the road. Uh, run game, defense, these things travel. Uh, special teams, uh, you can travel into a night game. The Longhorns are play three night games the rest of the way. It was announced Iowa State's a night game too, so it'll be the primetime horns in November with two 6.30 kicks and a 7 o'clock kick in their last three. Uh, here is Sark talking about the Quinn Ewers injury and uh, the update about his status. 
Yeah, so uh, Quinn, uh, like I said, he, he started to throw a little bit last week. Um, he threw again today. Um, to me, it's more day-to-day at this point, you know, where a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, it was kind of week-to-week. Uh, today's more day-to-day, um, and I got to, you know, I have to continue to see how he feels. You know, ultimately, this is a, how does he feel? You know, I, I can't, you know, the, he, the doctors, what does it feel like? Where is he at? Um I can give my assessment on the capability to operate our offense, but ultimately, how does he feel? And so we'll navigate this week. There you go. Uh, let's start talking about the uh, the quarterback, the status of Quinn Ewers and uh, the quarterback position overall. Uh, here's Sark talking about the injuries. This is actually a really promising um, report from Sark about the overall status of injuries with certain players on the team. Well, I'd say this. I think the thing that was probably the most encouraging thing for me today, everybody practiced. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, we, we've gone about a month now or so where certain guys have been out, certain guys have been limited. Um, the beauty of today's practice, everybody was out there. Catalan was back out there. Crawford was out there. Um, Kelvin was out there. Christian Jones was out there. Uh, so that was real positive. Um, naturally, as the week goes on, we're going to have to monitor all these guys and, and figure out, you know, who can really contribute to the game and then how much and, and what is that going to look like. But for a Monday, for them all to be out there today w- was really, really encouraging for me. There you go. Uh, that's probably the – Best news that you'll hear if you're a Longhorn fan, everybody practice. Not everybody's going to play, but everybody practice, which means they're on track to play at one point before the season's over, which means crazy. You could get, if not, I have some wood to knock on, I'd knock on it. Uh, But, yeah, you could get healthy at the perfect time, at the right time, to close out the season and ready to get yourself ready for a Big 12 title run. Yeah, uh, you put yourself in that position and you get some guys back. And, you know, what you also did is survive and advance, as we say. But you did so. I mean, you know, Christian Jones, that one kind of flew under the radar because we hadn't talked about it all last week and no one knew. He got hurt in practice and then all of a sudden didn't play. So Cam Williams, the big kid out of Duncanville, was out there. And uh, that's his first start against a good team in K-State. So now you got him some experience in a big spot. Uh, You know, Kelvin Banks had to leave that game at one point on, on Saturday, and so you had to move Hayden Connor out to left tackle and really shuffled some things. But if everyone was out there, that means Cole Hudson was back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means Christian Jones is back. That means your whole offensive line, Jalen Catalan yeah. and Keaton Crawford, to go yeah. with everybody else. So that's that's good and maybe trending towards being able to play here soon, if not Saturday. Yep, no, I totally agree. Um, obviously, the big injury that people are tracking right now is whether Quinn Hughes is going to play. We uh, told you earlier he posted a – song lyric on social media uh, from Merle Haggard earlier uh, I think it was yesterday actually uh, soul turned me loose set me free it was a picture of him at the line of scrimmage so hopefully uh, that means Quinn's ahead of schedule um, right now I think he's day to day here's Sark talking about Malik though because if Quinn can't go then Malik looks like he's on track to make his third start um, but Malik struggled last game after he threw that first pick, and things kind of just went to sp- went, uh, went on a spiral for him, a downward spiral. He did make some clutch throws in clutch time in the fourth quarter, um, but he was erratic for most of the game after he was off script and after he threw that first interception. He'll start talking about Malik's response after a bad play. 
I think Malik came back and had a really good practice today. Like I said, I was I was very proud of Malik uh, in the response that he had on the drive in that fourth quarter to to get us down to to kick that field goal with some some really big throws to AD, a really critical fourth down conversion to to JT Sanders. Uh, and like I said, I, I think he was throwing a touchdown to Xavier on the third down there in the red area. Uh, we didn't get we didn't get the pass interference or defensive holding call. We settled for the field goal, but that was a really critical drive in that game to, to take a three-point lead. So I think his response in-game uh, was pretty good, um, but I think today was was, was even better in, he, in his ability to come out and throw the ball and have command. So, um, you know, positives on that front. Yeah, Sark's been taking those shots at the Big 12 refs, too, <laughs> in, this, uh, in this media availability. I want to say like three or four times he brought up that his guys didn't get, didn't get flags and things of that nature. Uh, just so you know, here, is the, here are the actual numbers. Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell have only drawn three flags for defensive P.I. in nine games. And Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy um, have only uh, drawn three holding penalties, I guess. All right. Oh, that Texas, basically, Texas football has only accepted three holding penalties. I don't know if they drawn. They well, only accepted and, three holding penalties. And I will say for Sark that uh, that was a question asked by Kirk Bowles. He asked him specifically about the officiating, and uh, it started with a question about why that. Because uh, remember, with Longhorn fans, maybe when you were in the stadium, you didn't know when the fumble happened, the Ethan Burke strip sack fumble. Sark had to call timeout and to get them to review that. They weren't even going to review it. They were just going to give the ball back to TCU, and that's why Sark was so irate. Like, come on, y'all, this was a fumble. Can you go look? And uh, Now, he did say that they gave him the – once they went and reviewed it, they gave him his timeout back. Yeah. Uh, but he, he had to initiate, hey, y'all, that's a, that's a bad call. Yeah. Can we get this right? That's kind of a game-changing play at the five-yard line. And uh, they went back, did, he, and then he said, yeah, you know, we have the best two tackles in all of college football, and you know, I don't think they've had a holding call called against him. I've gone to bat for Byron Murphy quite a bit. I think they, he they have a lot. Had, they've had, had three. That's the actual numbers that they, right. yeah, they've had. The, well, that's, he, I'm just that's saying what he that, said. That's what he said. No, I know. I did, so I'm saying he's, he's, <laughs> he's advocating for his guy. He's trying to get what cost. Yeah. He should. He's trying to work the refs and that guy that he should. I'll just give you, we, we're going through the actual numbers, though. Yeah. Um, and, then, yeah, they are dominant performances. And, and only one of those defensive PIs on Xavier Woods and A.D. Mitchell was in Big 12 play. Yeah. Uh, and there were two egregious ones on Saturday that uh, didn't get one. I yeah. think would have been a hold. I don't know if the ball was out of his hand yet. When, oh, yeah. Uh, the, have... seven, the post corner or whatever. Yeah. The seven round, that, that, that was a hold probably. But it was, yeah, it was pretty obvious. But he, it was the way he threw it a little bit early. So, yeah, I don't know. The refs should have called it still. I'm not making, I'm not making excuses for them. They're terrible. Yeah. But officiating is so bad everywhere, though, guys. It's, That's true. It's hard to say that it is, you know, the conspiracy theory that they're out to get Texas and out to get Oklahoma, too, I guess. Because it's so – every time I watch – NFL football, I see terrible calls. No, I agree with you. All the, the time. End, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not good. So bad. It's not good. Yeah, I don't watch I'm the not... NBA and tell me how good it, the NBA is. Terrible. I'm not on the conspiracy train. I'm more on those are just bad calls train. I mean, and, and I and those were those were important plays. I mean, uh, the oh yeah, you know, the, the Malik the, the the first pass interference call that wasn't called on Xavier Worthy when Malik Murphy underthrew the deep ball. You know that that the play after that was the the block punt, and that mm-hmm. became a big play in the game. If that's yeah. a PI call, uh, obviously who knows where that drive goes. And uh, you know those are big calls. And and you know the 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 non call on the hold in the end zone on Xavier Worthy on the post corner, 
you know, that forced Texas to kick a field goal, not mm-hmm. get seven points when they were tied 27-27 yep. in the fourth quarter. So, yes, they, they're heightened. And uh, when you're playing tight games like this and you're playing for a Big 12 championship that's magnified, uh, at the same time, I think Oklahoma was pretty frustrated with some calls, too, on Saturday yep. in the Bedlam game that, that came late as well. Great. Uh, all right, so there's some behind the burn orange curtain. We'll hear more from Sark throughout the morning as they now look forward to TCU, look forward to the college football playoff rankings coming out tonight. Uh, also get back to the other top stories of the morning. Longhorn basketball looking good in there debut last night. We'll introduce you to some of the new Longhorns. Get your thoughts if you were at the game or saw it uh, as the Horns are now 1-0 to start the 23-24 season. We're coming back. We'll come back with what the facts. Some facts you need to know from your sports landscape. That always comes in ahead of the 7 o'clock hour. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. What the facts time on a Tuesday morning. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. It's a fact. Next hour we'll have a uh, Rod's rant. Also more on uh, the Longhorn basketball win last night. Horns, Rodney Terry's team 1-0. Played Incarnate Word and uh, it was the transfers putting on a show. We'll tell you about that coming up. But college basketball did open last night. Men's and women's with a slew of games, including the Longhorns. How about James Madison? They beat Michigan State last night, Rod. Oh, beat top wow. five ranked. I know preseason polls don't mean anything, especially yes. college basketball. They're ranked fourth, though. Uh, Michigan State is the first AP top five team to lose its season opener against an unranked opponent since Michigan State back in 05 with Tom Izzo. They lost to Hawaii. Like but can I give you this fact? You know that James Madison got the big win in basketball. If you look at the AP top 25, do you see who the 21st ranked team is in college football? James Madison. Wow. JMU, 9-0. They're ranked. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, That's you got crazy. Tulane, James Madison, Liberty yeah. in the top 25 right now. They won't be in the uh, college football playoff rankings coming up tonight. But and James Madison shout out to JM. isn't uh, eligible for the postseason either. They're not? Nope. Isn't JMU where our man uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey came from? Where he yes. was playing yeah, college ball yep. and then transferred to Texas. Tuck. Our good man now, the one of the better realtors in Austin, mm-hmm. growing his realtor game. But, uh, yeah, uh, James Madison having a good run in hoops. And also, Rod, right on the women's side, the LSU women won the Natty last year. They opened it with a loss to Colorado. Ooh. Colorado beat them last night. Yeah, that ain't good. Yeah. That's all right. They went 24-0 last it's year early. to start the year. It's, it's early. still early. All these games Kids are matter. distracted. What are you having on what the facts there, Rod B? Uh, oh, man. Okay, so we've been keeping up with the under in the NFL. Uh, and, and uh, man, it's unbelievable how Another consistent. Another primetime under last night. How consistent they are. Yeah, if you want to make a lot of money, and my man Ty probably already knows about it, the, the unders have been consistently hitting for basically the last three years. We're talking about this. So NFL unders now, um, how about this, are now 83-52-1. and one. Um, best through nine weeks since 1991. Dang. So NFL unders, that's, you're close to basically 62% <clears throat> if you round up now for NFL unders. Monday night football unders are 10 and 1 in 2023. 55, 28 and 1 since 2019. This season, night game unders, 22 and 7. 62 and 29 the last two years. Second half unders, 82, 53 and 1. Scoring is down. Take the unders. The unders. And it's because, how about this, good defense is being played. Well, is it good defense or bad offense? Because this is another stat. In the last five seasons, only four teams have scored eight or fewer offensive touchdowns through eight team games. All right? The 2019 Jets, 2020 Jets, 2023 Jets, and the 2023 Giants. Isn't that crazy? 
yeah, what the hell is going on in New York City? That is crazy. So that's a big part of why you know the unders are hitting because some of those New York teams, they want the New York teams in prime time. They're putting them in prime time. And they stink. And they, exactly. They keep putting them in prime time and they stink. And the NFL is getting, getting their predictions wrong about what teams are going to be good. Yeah, they are. Right, because they keep putting these teams in prime time. Like, oh, the, the Denver Broncos are really good. They got Russell Wilson, and they were terrible. So that's a big part of it, too. You see a lot of quarterback turnover, quarterbacks changing teams. And NFL has been thinking, oh, yeah, Matt Stafford worked out. Tom Brady worked out. Oh, these are going to work out, too. And the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson's, you know, experiments did, hadn't worked out just yet. Yeah, Aaron Russell got hurt on the fourth. Aaron Rodgers got hurt on the fourth play of the game of the season. Yeah. Russell Wilson was never good last year, and yes, they. So well, that's the the soap opera drama of the off season of the days of our quarterback lives, and then mm-hmm. turns around and you know then they don't live up. But you're right, Tom Brady and Matt Stafford worked out great. Hey, uh, you and Ty happen to be pickleball deniers. Nah, pickleball deniers. It's just lazy tennis. Can I mention that uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, is now the site of the uh, nation's largest pickleball center? Uh, going online. How about this? Uh, 11 acres, 28 indoor courts, wow. 16 outdoor courts, two rooftop courts. That's amazing. Uh, pickleball. USA Pickleball is where it's going to be. Man. It's blowing up. All yeah. the celebrities are into it. Oh, man. Uh, Kevin Durant owning a pickleball team. It's like investing in it. I'm like, oh, yeah. what the hell is going Sport on? Sport of the future. Pickleball. Who it's knew? Lazy tennis. It's <laughs> lazy <laughs> tennis and you can drink while you play it. It's okay. Hey, it's just it. like bowling. They got a lot of bowling alleys out there, <laughs> exactly. right? You can drink while you do it. <laughs> People love games with sports. You can drink while you and do bowling it. Bowling takes a lot more talent. <laughs> and same with golf. I agree, but you still can drink while you do it. Golf does, for sure. <laughs> golf does, for sure, and then precision. But, uh, I don't know, bowling, pickleball, probably the same. No. Nah, I'm with you on Probably that. the same. No. Come on. No way. No. You can be a great big fat guy and be a bowler. You same cannot be a great big fat guy and, well, not, not yeah. pickleball. You've got to be able to move. Yeah, and hold your cocktail. All right, we'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. <laughs>